Alrighty, folks, I got another one for you. This is probably a shorter one, I'll be honest. We're going to talk about the definition of wealth. So I believe it was Buckminster Fuller. I believe he designed the geodesic dome and has the patent on it. This guy was, I believe, an architect by trade. Something similar. But he had a lot of interesting things to read. Or a lot of interesting things he said that I like to read. One of the most interesting things I read by him, I learned from the Rich Dad Poor Dad book by Robert Kiyosaki. And basically, folks, what he said was that wealth is determined, or wealth should defi- wealth is defined, I should say, by how many days you can go without working. So let's break that down. So if you have a million dollars, right? And your expenses are $10,000 a month, you have 10 months worth of wealth. At that point, you are no longer wealthy, you are broke. So based on that definition, even if you had a million dollars in the bank, if your expenses are too high, you do not have a year worth of wealth. You are literally missing a sixth of your your year in cash. You will literally be broke. So let's break it down even more. I'm not sure I really need to make it any more complicated than that because that's a scary, sobering number, I think, personally. That somebody with a million dollars is actually broke now. So you need to think about that. A million dollars and you could still be broke. What does that mean for you? How does that apply? How does it feel? What, is it, what does it come down to? So let's make it even simpler. So let's say you make 60000 Better yet, no. Let's say you make $48,000 a year. And your expenses are $3,000 a month. That means you have expenses of $36,000. Which means you only have $12,000 of wealth left over after your, after your course, right? But that $12,000 left over is not left over. Because if that's all you had was that $40,000, you'd have that twelve, right? That's only another four months. So you'd have a year and four months worth of wealth by Buckminster Fuller's definition. So by that standard, you are now knocking on poverty's door because your expenses are too high. So think about that. Let that sober you up for a second. And by expense, I'm talking about your taxes, uh, cost of living, you know, like your, I don't know, your yoga practice that you do every Tuesday and Thursday with your private teacher, your funions, your rent, or your mortgage, car payments, insurance, life insurance, health insurance, toilet paper, food, So right off the bat, let's just go backwards. To even figure out how much wealth you need or what wealth is going to be for you, let's go all the way back. Your first step means you need to make a budget. I'm not talking about, I'm going to spend six and keep four every time. I'm talking about you literally first need to know every dollar you need to make just to survive your basic lifestyle. And include your internet, let's say. Maybe you don't get the, what you used to call New York, the triple play, where I had cable, internet, and television. I personally have the internet now. I tried to get a, a la carte where I picked like the four channels I would watch the most. And they wanted to charge me more than to have the, what I had. So I went straight internet and just have like Amazon and Netflix and stuff like that now. Oh, and here's a fun fact. If you're on some kind of government assistance, like a EBT or a Snap card or something like that, you get a discounted rate for your Amazon Prime. 
and you can also pay in monthly payments, which everyone can do the monthly, but you get a cheaper rate. I think it's like six or seven bucks as opposed to, let's say, the 10 or 12 per month. So you pay like 70 or 80 as opposed to like 120. So that's pretty cool. That's a way you can save money, folks. If you're, you know, you're trying to get a step up and you legitimately need financial help when you're on fiduciary assistance, there's a little, uh, little tip for you right there on how to make some money. So hopefully that helps you. That's one thing I can think of that. Uh, hopefully if you're listening to this, you need it. I just showed you where you can get it. And that's one little tip there. But let's go back to that. So the definition of wealth is how long you can live on the dollars you have, right? So if you only cost you $3,000 a month to live and you have a billion dollars in the bank, you have a way longer time to live. Way longer. But you need to know how much that month costs you first. So if you need $3,000 a month, are you making $3,000? Are you living off your credit card? So then you're in negative. You're in the red. And just so people understand what I'm saying, you have to know the dollar value you bring in first and foremost. And then the dollar value you need to bring in. Then if you want to truly make wealth, truly obtain wealth, you next need to have double or triple coming in what you make. And then that what you make extra needs to go into savings. And I would say giving. You know, you can tithe if you're a church-going person. Give to a charity if you're not. Or do both. Whatever you want. But it seems a lot of wealthy people I've uh, come in contact with or I've read about, a lot of them give. And uh, for those who are, I guess, uh, Christians, it's, it's a biblical thing. You know, if you give... You shall receive, sort of. It's not exact. I'm, I'm making it a little crazy. I still want to get all biblical on y'all, but here's an interesting one for you, for you who are Christians, or even if you're not. The only place that God tells you to challenge him is with your tithes. The only time God's like, go ahead, try me out and see how good it can be, is with your money. So even if you're an atheist, that's pretty interesting, because the book, the best-selling book in the world, the God of that book only lets you, only, only, not really dare you, only is like, hey, Test me. Go ahead. One time in the whole book. All the rules, all the stuff, there's one time. And it's about the money. I would say it's more about the trust the money, but that's a, that's for a whole different type of podcast. So you need to know what you make, what you need to make, in order to achieve the first steps of Buckminster Fuller's wealth definition. Which, again, is how many days you can live without going to work. You know, basically, for that, what I mean by that is... Literally, how many dollars do you have in the bank? Divide that by 30 days, and that's what you have. So if you had 100 grand, no, let's say you had $365,000, right? It's $1,000 a day. If your expenses were $1,000 a month, look at how much time you have. Look at how much you have. Because in a year, you're only going to go through 12000 out of 365. So that's 12,000 times 10 would be 120 years. No, I'm sorry, 120,000, right? Yeah, you get the point, whatever. If a year costs you 12 grand, you'd have like 30 years worth of wealth, I believe. I'm doing the math right, 34, somewhere around there. So if you could live as frugally as possible and invest 200 out of that, better yet, let's say you could invest 300, out of that 65, even passively, we just make a percent or two a month, theoretically, you would never have to work. Here's another way to look at it. If you earn 6% interest on your money in the bank, guaranteed interest, at $2 million initial deposit, you would make $60,000 a year in interest. Now, leave out the taxes. Government's going to take your capital gains. This day, I'm assuming you can't, you know, 
use the tax code to your advantage legally. We're not trying to cheat. Remember, we're trying to legally obtain these goals. Assuming there's no way to do that, you know, when somebody wrote irre- irrevocable trust or something that you could set up where, you know, the money was just uh, your salary, let's say, as a custodian of the trust or something, executive of the state. I don't know if it's even possible. I'm just trying to throw out some terms here so you'll start Googling and looking and see what I'm talking about. But let's just say this. Let's say it costs you $3,000 a month to live, right? And you're making $60,000 profit off the $2 million. Even if the government took half of the 60 in taxes and fees, they took 30 you have two million in the bank. It costs you a thousand dollars a month to live. You have twelve. If it costs you three thousand dollars a month. You have thirty-six. You're now only at a minus six thousand dollars per year, not touching your two million dollar principal. So, you, oh Tony, you just said about a negative. Yeah, I gave you a negative, assuming a fifty percent tax rate. Assuming you had to pay fifty percent in taxes and fees on that sixty million, sixty grand you're making off your two million dollar initial deposit at your six percent interest rate. Now, you're like, a million dollars is a lot of money. It's really not, folks. Especially inflation, it's nothing. When I was a kid, candy bars were 50 cents, and they were about 30% bigger. The average candy bar now is about $1.69. I'm about to walk into 7 Elevens. We're going to pause this. I'm going to check right now. Let's see. I'll be back for part two. All right, folks. So, let's check the 7-Eleven. In my local store, a Snickers bar, like I said, is about 30% smaller at this point in time. Is now a $1.59 plus tax. As a child in the store, so I gotta close the car door, I would give the guy two quarters, ten nickels or five dimes, and walk out my candy bar. And see me, I was a really shrewd little, little raggedy so-and-so, so I'm not calling myself any names or using expletives. What I would do, folks, is I would get the mamba, which is a chewy candy. But back then the mamba came with five five packs. So I would get 25 pieces of candy to eat for the same 50 cents of the one Snickers bar. And it didn't melt. Check that out. See, I was was thinking, I guess I was frugal from a young age. I know as a child, I also sold uh, Snickers and stuff to my peers in grade school. Always wanted to make money. And it wasn't because I was like, we're starving, I need to make money. It was more like, I don't know, I guess I had an entrepreneurial bug. I'm a young age. I'm talking like first, second grade type stuff. Like second, third grade maybe. I don't know. You get the point. I'm talking the 80s. I'm six, seven years old. Just learned how to read. You know. Crack is everywhere. We were still safe though. God was good for my family. Good to my family. God has always been good. I know I said we wouldn't be preachy, but I'm just telling you it's how I feel. So, $1.59, right? That was 35 years ago. So in 35 years, the candy bar with the tax is now up 200%, 300%. You do the math and correct me. How about that? How about you do the math and tell me? But we went from 50 to 168 or 169, depending on the store, plus another 7 to 10 cents, depending on your tax break, zip code, blah, blah, blah. Not tax break, your tax code, you know, like what they charge. I think I pay 6.9% here. I was talking to a client the other day that pays, I think, just under 9%. I believe it's either Hawaii or Puerto Rico that pays 11%. And then you got to ramify that too, folks. Certain people, like New York City and New York State, they pay state, city, and federal tax. In Florida, they pay only federal tax. And then, of course, they buy something. But if they're taking three levels of tax out of your check... Your $3,000 take home, let's say every month, let's say $1,500 every two, 
they're taxing you three times before even getting taxed on the stuff you bought. So if you live somewhere where you're taxed three times before the paycheck gets to your hands, three times before it gets to your hands, how much more are we going to need to achieve Buckminster Fuller's definition of wealth, which we said is how many days you can work with the money on hand, how many days you can go without working with the money on hand. So you're getting taxed three times, right? Plus, we would determine the cost of a candy bar from the time I was seven to now being in my 40s, early 40s, let's just say 40, is now $1.60 something. So five times three is 15, right? Add the zero, right? Dollar fifty. Another 18 cents. What's that? Another 17% on top of the 200% increase? So is that what? A 217% markup? 317? I'll let you do the judge. Do you like either number? What if you say, hey, Tony, it's actually less than that, bro. It's actually like 168. Your math is totally wrong because you're not doing your gross and your net and your abita. Like I said, I pay a CPA, folks. I'm not one. But listen to what I said. You need 6% interest, which banks aren't giving right now, except for people who are probably super wealthy. And by the way, your money's not guaranteed by the FDIC for more than 250000 So if you had $2 million in the bank and something happens to the bank, they don't have to, you're only insured for $250,000, which is an eighth, folks, an eighth, not even a quarter. You get a quarter of every million, you got two millions. That's an eighth. So remember that. They're going to give you two fifty on the $2 million if something bad goes on their end. That's all you're insured for. And right now, they're giving you maybe 1% interest. If you're really lucky, maybe one5 And then the capital gains tax kicks in on that too, I believe. So even with the formula we've come up with, with a 6% and $2 million, we still have to have worry about the taxes on that, don't we? And if there's any bank fees that kick in, or here's another example. So you've got your $2 million to 6%, right? And you get deathly ill and decide to use an experimental treatment that is not covered by your HMO, et cetera, et cetera, right? So now you pull out a million out of your $2 million, right? So now right there, you're down to $30,000, assuming you still get the same rate. But a lot of banks, let's say that was like a CD or certain kind of saving vehicle, they're going to charge you between 5 to 20% fee for removing your money ahead of a scheduled time. And the average person that have that money working for them as a CD or something, if you're just a regular guy working but you managed to save up, you know, the old school thing was put your money in a money market account. Then it was a mutual fund. Then there's CDs and stocks and bonds, right? Assuming no risk, you still just lost 50000 I mean, I'm sorry, 50% of 30000 so if you needed 3000 a month, you now only have 10 months. So you see how the breakdown keeps breaking down? you got to look at the numbers from every single angle, folks. Here's another way to look at it. So now you've got $10 million in the bank, right? If you go out and you buy a Porsche, right, and you bought it cash, and you bought the floor model, or better yet, Dr. Bob, the... There's actually, I think it's Dr. Miami or something. It's a guy who does um, special plastic surgery for high-ticket clients. He makes big loot, folks. Big loot. Guy's getting that money, right? So he buy you buy his Porsche, right? Because he gets a new one every 12 months. He, you know, he just pays a fee, and every 12 months, he gets the newest one of that line. Let's say he gets a, I don't know, just a regular, you know, Porsche 911. Nothing crazy, just, you know, fully loaded, but not, you know, not a GT3. Not the special roof, just hard top. No spoiler. You know, it's 
it's his dream car, but he didn't drop the extra hundred grand and go all out, you know, crazy savant status. I love this black, blah, blah, blah. No, none of that. He just got a good Porsche to fulfill his dream car. Now you got it. You bought the car cash. You negotiated a discount. You are awesome. You just bought a car, barely used. You know, the guy had it 12 months. He put on 3,000 miles. That's less than, you know, what? Three times 12 and 36. So 30,000 miles, you said. So you're 6,000 miles under, et cetera, et cetera. You get where I'm going with this, right? Now, here's something that we're going to talk about. Now, first off, the minute you took it off the lot, it dropped 25%. So if you paid 100 for it, it's already worth 25 grand less at a minimum. So now you need to get that special surgery. You say, let me flip the car to have extra cash on hand so I can build up my reserves again. You're only going to get 75 if you're lucky before any fees, et cetera, et cetera. And any taxes that might be applicable in your state on the gain you may have made from that if you made a gain. That's a loss, but there are actually people who flip cars. So that's a whole other story, but... So now you got your 75, you're down to 25. But let's see something better, right? Let's say you kept the car. The oil change at the dealership for the car you drive is now $900. $900 for your oil change. So back in the day, your oil change that you were complaining about was like 80 bucks. You got twice a year with the Toyota because you got, instead of Tony's camera, you got the Avalon. You treated yourself a little. But, you know, it's under the company lease. It's not costing you as much. You get the tax write-offs. You did what Tony said. You're a pretty smart guy. You were a guru for you started listening. You just like how I record these in the car. So you were getting two oil changes at $80 a piece. That's $160. Now, the Porsche, maybe you only get two oil changes a year still. At $1,800 combined. So you're 18 minus your 160 right? That's 17 No. No. That's uh, what I say, 180. So that's 1620 a year in oil changes, increased cost. Your tires, your spark plugs, your regular maintenance, your filters. If you're going to change them yourself, I changed my air filter, cabin filter, and engine air filter myself. Showed my son how to do it now at four years old when he was four, now he's five. It was a smart idea to get him used to it. Now he's like, Dad, I want to show me more stuff. So I'll teach him what I know and then tell him there's more on Instagram and see what he learns. Maybe he becomes a mechanic and I don't know. Good skill. Maybe he just learns how to save himself big money. But, okay, so you get your brakes done, right? So now you get your brakes done, and you're getting your Brembro brakes, and you got to get them installed by the dealer because your maintenance package, because you're frugal and you're smart, and it's better to pay the package, and you pay the year up front, so they give you a discount there, too. Saved yourself 80 bucks. Your brake changes and your rotors now, instead of being like 300, are now like 1,000, let's say. You're going to do that once a year. So between the oil change, oh, and by the way, you got to get premium octane. You got to get 93. So you're getting 93 instead of 87 or 90 octane, right? Instead of silver or pricing, you're getting premium. Like you can't even get Costco. Like I know a guy who drives a BMW. He didn't get Costco. He goes to like Shell. He pays top dollar because that's what's required for his car. So even if gas is 2.50 a gallon, you're paying 3.50 a gallon or three dollars a gallon even. So you're 50 cents up a gallon at 10 gallons. That's five dollars every tank full. And like I said, right, you got some money, you got Dr. Miami's Porsche, you're doing your thing, you're balling, you're on point. And we already had two, three thousand dollars expenses on a depreciating asset. It's not even like you bought a rental home for a hundred thousand dollars, acquired some equity in it because it was worth more than you were to get the distressed tenant out and after you purchased it from the landlord who couldn't handle it no more because he was sick. You see, I'm going to these aisles, see how this works? 
the distressed tenant, you got him out, you use your eviction process, you got a new tenant, you made some minor upgrades, all tax orders, by the way, right? For your business. And your property rental, let's say the mortgage is at 800 and you make $1,000 after costs and everything else, assuming you're the property manager, you're probably walking away with about $800 or $100 profit there. And by the way, real estate tends to go up at least for a couple years and then might trend down for a few years. But they've made three different Superman movies about real estate. It's never going anywhere. BlackRock Capital just acquired what, another 180,000 homes. I don't know what the number is about a week or two ago. There's a reason people buy property. There's also a reason why when the market tanks, the bank throws it out there fast. They want cash fast in hand. Now, what was Buckminster Fuller talking about? The definition of wealth is how many days you can live without going to work or having to generate revenue. So if you're a day trader making $2,000 a day, but you need $4,000 a week, you know, that's, I don't know. You say you're making 14, so you're 10 grand up, assuming you don't have any losses at all. Let's assume you make some losses here and there, right? So now your 14 minus the four was 10 grand profit after your course, right? Let's assume another four because you have some bad days and market volatility. So you're actually making 6,000 profits. You actually are double plus 50% up on your income. But you still have to day trade. So it's not really how many days. Because if you do that for a week, you only got like two and a half weeks roughly, right? I'm just remember, I'm doing this top of my head, folks. This is straight off my dome. I didn't plan this one. This is something I've been thinking about. I know how many days are you wealthy? Like if I quit my job and I got a thousand dollars in the bank and my expenses are three grand a month, I'm negative two thousand dollars right now, folks. And that's for one month, not for a year. And that's not actual income, it's not my actual bills. I'm trying to keep the math simple because I'm throwing a lot of numbers at you on this one. That's so why I'm trying to keep this podcast a little shorter because we don't want to go crazy. We're about 16 minutes in right now between segment one and segment two. So like I said, you bought the Porsche, you got it negotiated, you thought you were smart, you didn't think about the cost. Here's another thing, the interest, not the interest, I'm sorry, the insurance is going to cost you more on that car too. Your Avalon, which is basically, if you look at it, Toyota makes Lexus, your Lexus and your Lexus... Mm, 320 or something, 350, one of those, like the mid-level, is the same as your Toyota Avalon. So you actually got a Lexus-quality car, Toyota-level prices, so you saved yourself 10 grand when you did that, too, on the markup. You know, so right there, you were ahead. When you went to the Porsche, it's more to fix, it's more to maintain, it's more to insure. You're buying the premium gas. Do you see where I'm going? We're going to pause it again. You increased your bills. Even though you bought the car cash at a discount, you increased your bills. So that is exactly, exactly what we don't want you doing. That is a surefire method to failure. So we're going to come back and wrap this up fast in the third segment. I do want to break that down. I want you to pause in case you actually pause when I pause. Or you want to play that again because we threw a lot of numbers. The math on the Porsche. The distressed tenant in the asset you bought for $100,000, the rental property, the oil changes, the 6% interest on $2 million in the bank that's only insured for the $250,000. There's a lot of math going on here, folks. And like I said, some of my percentage might be off the candy bar. I think that's a 300% markup from 50 to 168, roughly. But, you know, do you want to pay $1.50 for something you paid 50 cents for that actually is 30% smaller? Because you're paying more money for less value. Not that, you know, candy bars necessarily value, but I'm just trying to paint you a picture from my youth to now when I literally walked in the store, walked in the aisle and checked it. So we shall return for the last installment. And just so you know, folks, the main goal we're going to talk about now after this uh, 
last hiatus from the mic for a minute is going to be it's not about what you make it's about what you keep and that's how you fulfill Buckminster Fuller's definition of wealth we'll be right back alrighty folks so I just hopped out of the last store that's why I had to cut this short so I had to go to Costco too so I'm going to look in delivery services because I'm trading time for money and that's very expensive that's a different definition than the Buckminster one so back to what I was saying I'm gonna work, I use one vacation day for two days off. I got a four day weekend out of like a mini staycation, shall we call it. And that worked out pretty good. So it's time to spend with my son, meet the teacher, take him to school, I'll be there for the first. I put him on the bus. I wonder if he used to be with the other kids a little bit, you know, not just with mom and dad like he's been for the last couple of years and some siblings and friends and whatnot. So what I did was I asked for an adjustment to my schedule. So instead of, uh, I was already off Tuesday. Then I needed to meet the teacher Monday. So Tuesday I had already gotten approved off. But I asked my boss if I could have my Monday as my day off instead of my Saturday, Sunday. I would normally have. And then what that enabled me to do was work Saturday. Which also, as a side perk, the team I manage works every shift that the other agents work. So I told them in the beginning, I'm going to work all the shifts y'all work. Opens, close, Saturdays. You know, if we're here till 10 one night, I'll be here till 10 one night. If we're opening at 745 one day, I'm going to do that. So I was able to work my schedule, use less vacation time or personal days, depending on, you know, what your company gives you. In this case, from those vacation days, right? Spend time with my son, meet his teacher, get him ready for that good stuff, and keep my promise to my team. So in that sense, I would say I maximized my definition of wealth according to Buckminster Fuller. I kept the promise to my team, kept more vacation time, which should I retire or resign, they do pay out. So if, let's say I had three days and I hit the lottery for $50 million and I only need $2,000 a month. Yeah, my job still got to give me those two days I had a vacation time when I resigned because it's time I've earned in the bank. So I just added to my wealth. Not a lot, but, you know, let's say I made, you know, even 10 bucks an hour at, the two, at uh, two days before taxes. That's $160 at eight hours a day. Just to throw that out there, right? Because we're talking about, you know, I need $2,000 a month. $180 before taxes, let's say after the government gets their fees and whatnot, taxes and all that good stuff, I said, well, at $150, it's not 10% of my monthly fees, it's about 8 but it's 8% of Buckminster Fuller's definition of one month of wealth based on my $2,000, and like I said, I just hit the lottery for $50 because I played once in a while. Here's a side tidbit for you. If you are going to play the lottery scratch-offs, what you want to do is not play the same one. You want to buy the newest one. Literally go in and ask the clerk, hey, which is your newest game? Or what's your newest three games? Hook me up, Bob. Hook me up, Susie. What's the one that just hit the market? I've tested this, folks, and it's worked for me two out of three times, so 66%. But I won $50, $10, $20 on $1 and $2 tickets. And one of the time, another time, someone gave me a $10 scratch-off as a gift for Christmas, one of my coworkers. And that was $50, and it was the newest, like, $10 scratch-off. So even minus the cost of the gift, I was up 80%. But since I didn't pay the $10, I was up all the loot. So what I keep throwing those little situations and stipulations and ways you can save and make money, I want you to realize there's different ways to do stuff. Now, you should not focus on gambling as your income unless you're a really good poker player. And then to quote uh, my friend from Tombstone, Doc Holliday... He didn't say poker was gambling. Poker was a profession. Car playing was gambling. And if you look at the World Series of Poker, you can look at who's won 
There's actually some good uh, documentaries on HBO and other channels about that. And if you just want some fiction, watch Rounders. But you'll see some math in there. He grinds out about 30 grand in like 36 hours. On top of like the 8 grand he loses, I think it's beat out of him. Probably like 9, I think. But you're getting my math, right? That's a really good movie. It's uh, Matt Damon, Ed Norton, John Malkovich, some other key players. Um, Famke, I don't know her name, but she was an X-Men. She was a Bond girl, too. The girl used her legs to like break people's uh, back or something. I don't know. You get what I'm talking about. So, we've talked about Buckminster Fuller. I gave some tips on lottery, how to make money off of gambling theoretically. From examples I've done myself. And don't gamble if you're under 18 listening. Don't have someone buy them for you. Don't be slick. Don't cheat, folks. Do not expect this to work. I'm just telling you things I've done that if you want to try for yourself, you can. My approach is I throw out the knowledge. You decide to throw it at the wall and see what sticks for you. I'm by no means a financial consultant in 99% of situations, states, cities, provinces, territories, or commonwealths. I am a licensed life insurance in certain locations and fixed fixed interest rate goods. There's a couple things I can sell you depending on what state you live in. I don't do this for that. I just want to tell you I have continuing education I take every two years in my state and another state. I have license that I keep updated. I pay fees for. So to apply that also to Buckminster Fuller, if I'm paying for those licenses and not making money off them or getting tax deductions out of them or something that justifies them, I'm technically subtracting from the amount of wealth. Because if I have a million dollars, but every two years I had to spend, let's say, 200, that's not a lot. But if I can live another 50 years, that's going to be 200 times 25. So it's about five grand. That's a lot of money, folks. It's not, you could say, you know, like you said, your prime example, you get 50 million. But what's that? A percent of a percent? It's not even 1%. Because 1% would be, what, 50,000? So it's a percent of a percent, I believe. I'm doing my math right. Sorry, folks. My son just went to school and we're all getting up early and going to sleep later because it's, you know, I can be a helicopter parent. And by the way, worrying is uh, robbing yourself of wealth, too. You can't control the future, A. And B, when you're worrying, you're not thinking about how to make money, which means you're not building on Buckminster Fuller's definition of wealth because you're not figuring out how to make more money and then applying it to make the money. You're worrying about money you might not have. So, see, I can I can tie this stuff in a hundred different ways, folks. When it comes down to your wealth, you are solely in control. I'm going to say that again. When it comes to your wealth, you are solely in control. Especially if you're an American citizen. Now, this is probably an unpopular statement, but I saw pictures of people coming from Cuba and the rafts they use... I wouldn't use in the pool where in the apartment complex I live in. And that's the chance of what they're hoping to get by coming here. I saw, I believe it was a Vice TV special on HBO about a year or two ago. And there were families in India that they were like the father, the mother, the oldest daughter were donating a kidney for one of the younger children to be sent to America or like the UK, England, something like that, to a distant relative or a distant cousin or or like in my family, we have cousins that aren't cousins, but they've been friends of the family for like six generations. So at this point we're family. Because loyalty makes you related. You know, loyalty makes you family. Blood makes you related. Something I like to think of, too. Cause just because you're genetically related to me doesn't mean that you're there for me. No, I'm not knocking my family. I always want to throw different you know, tidbits of knowledge in here. But they were all donating one kidney. You see the scars all the way around, all the way around their body. All the way around their body. They get hacked open dang near for the chance for one sibling, one child out of three or four, to have the lifestyle people dream of. To have the freedom and the options that we have here. So if you sit there and say that because the government, the system, your upbringing, 
the sexual abuse you you suffered are all reasons you cannot obtain wealth, and therefore Buckminster Fuller's definition of wealth is ridiculous, and this is a whole waste of time. A, why did you listen this deep? And B, I call foul on the play. I call foul. I call straight up foul. I've started my life over. I've messed with my credit repeatedly, and my kids don't lack for a thing. They lack for a thing. I have two kids, and my wife doesn't work. And I have three, four streams of income. I'm doing what I can do. And the next podcast, that's when I recorded before this, is about the mistakes I've made by not being consistent in my side hustles, quote-unquote. That should be my main hustles to get me out of my job. So that'll come out probably tomorrow or the next day. I'll probably do two this week and focus on one a week until I get my, my brain right and get the two a week that I want to deliver to y'all. Because A, I want to deliver you value. And B, I want to retain you with that value. And C, I want to make money off my podcast. Because there's really no point in doing this. not money, folks. I like teaching y'all, but I got to get something out of it. I'm just going to be really blunt. If you ever watch Shark Tank, none of the sharks will take certain deals at certain percentages. Because there's not enough skin in the game. They got to help you, coach you, teach you, get you to the next level, use their connections, make phone calls. Even if they got to call their secretary, say, call Bob, tell him if he invests 50 here, he makes 100, I guarantee the money, he can get 2% in perpetuity for the life of the contract, I already faxed the paper over to his secretary, can you make sure that she takes care of that? He still wasted time making that phone call. And you know, your secretary will be right in front of you. Heck, your wife might be your secretary because that way you're keeping the money in the family when you pay her. That's something that's fully legit too, folks. Look into that too. You can pay your kids as employees, generate salary and revenue and have it paid to them and keep it in the family. Put it in their trust fund and they have it. You change the way you're taxed and you change the way you do stuff legally, folks. I'm not teaching you the game. This is I'm teaching you the system. So the Shark Tank, what they do is they say they're not going to take a piece of your company for 20%. They want 36%. But your annual revenue now is $2 million before course. What do they call that habit? It's like your adjusted earnings... Before income, etc., etc. You know your taxes, your fees, your funds, what you made. Think about it like gross versus net. Not what you made, but what you took home. So if you want Mark Cuban to come in, he wants his thirty-six percent. Now Damon John says, "Yeah, I'll do it for thirty-two, And you're like sold, bro. I would have took either one of you. Heck, I'd have took the guy that's not on the show no more. I don't know if there's actually someone on the show. What's your point? But time is wealth. They're not going to stick their neck up for money that's not worth it. So the last thing we're going to talk about for this, Buckminster Fuller's definition of wealth was the amount of time you have based off the money you have. So if you if you need a million dollars a month to live and you only have twelve million dollars, you only have twelve million dollars, twelve years of freedom at a million dollars a year. And if you're thirty, that means at forty-two you're going back to work. So your money needs to work for you. But I got another way we can get you there, and this is the philosophy I need you to put in your brain. Repeat after me. It's not what you make, it's what you keep. It's not what you make, it's what you keep. Sorry, you're going to hear me putting a fortune cookie in here. Surprise my kid. It's not what you make, it's what you keep. So if you make the Toyota Avalon money, but spend it on the Porsche, you're not keeping your money. You're spending it. If you're paying for a house that you don't need the 1800 or let's say 18,000 square feet, you don't need 10 bathrooms, you're actually single, but you don't pay tax on the bathroom and living rooms in most states because you think they're smart getting a bigger house. You could have bought a smaller house to live in, bought a rental unit and had income. That house pays for itself. You could have bought a duplex, lived on the ground floor, rented out the big floor. They cover your mortgage. They cover your nut entirely and possibly even, you know, 50 bucks off 
your share of the electricity, etc., etc. You might even live for free if you do it right. I know people who do this. Regular people. Regular folks from the inner city where I grew up. It's doable. So we're going to close it out with that, folks. It's not what you make, it's what you keep. So you don't have any money? Make a little more. Drive for Uber Eats. Drive for, you can't do that? Figure out a skill you can outsource for someone. Hey, I know you got a magazine. How about I write an article and you give me a free copy? So build your portfolio. I've done it. Do something, folks. Cut your expenses. You don't need cable and internet and Hulu and Amazon and Prime and Disney and HBO Plus or Max, whatever it's called. Cut your expenses. If you're paying $100 for cable, how do you get... Well, cable, internet, TV, how do you get it for 50 How do you get it for 70 You now get it for 70 put that 30 aside. You put that 30 aside for 12 months, 3 times 12 is $360. That's almost a dollar a day. Right? You need 10000 let's say you need $36,000 a year. You just got 1% by cutting your costs. I know it's not a lot, you still got another 99%. But in about 40 minutes of podcasting, I've showed you ways to make money, save money, refocus your mind on your money. So what you got to do is think in terms of wealth. You're going to make a list so we know how much you make. We're going to make a list of how much you spend. We're going to make a list of what's actually necessitated, like the dwelling, the food, the electricity, the insurance, the car payments, if you still have one. How can you pay that off faster? Put money to the principal, not just a payment every month. Put a dollar a month to the principal. That's $12 a year. It's going to cut it down. Do something, folks. You don't need to buy lunch. I've talked about that before. Cut your expenses, increase your wealth, add a skill set. It's not what you make, it's how much you keep. If Mark Cuban's a billionaire, but he spends $10 million a month, he's only got about 100 months, folks. There's 12 months in a year, that's not even 12 years. If you're driving a Lexus and you have Toyota Corolla money, you're making a mistake. It's not what you make, it's what you keep. You hate your job? Cut your expenses, double your income, make more interest. Work two jobs for 10 years instead of one job for 40. There's a guy who retired at 30 years old with a million dollars in the bank, plus interest, plus some other stuff. He doesn't have elect TV. He has, I think, a propane stove. He darns his socks, which that's, that's old school folks for you sew up the little holes when you're, you know, your big toenail sticks through. He rides a bicycle everywhere. He gets his movie and TV and uh, entertainment from the public library. The place where he lives is a paid-off mini house. You don't want a mini house? Fine. Make more money. You don't want to darn your socks and sew holes in your clothes? Fine. Make more money. You don't want to listen to this podcast? You can turn me off. No, but seriously, folks. Think about this again. Buckminster Fuller's definition of wealth, which is where you get the freedom from, folks. It's not the money. It's the time to do it your way when you want to. The definition of freedom, a.k.a. wealth, is how many days you can go without going to work told you folks my job is to fire my boss and provide for my kids that's it everything else is irrelevant you want more folks tony at changeinadvance.com pedagogy of the fresh on instagram that's with a p pedagogy of the fresh changeinadvance.com is the old blog this podcast is on about seven or eight channels i'm also on tumblr you can find my uh the old school version of this there Twitter is also changing events. TikTok was changing events. I think I just deleted the app, but there's some quick videos there. YouTube, you can find me there too. I posted, I think, more like um, everyday carry type stuff and other type of content. Just trying to show you some stuff. Maybe some vitamins and supplement box I bought. 
I don't really go there. They changed their policy about how to post and maybe when child approved. I wasn't going for that, folks, honestly. So I've been focusing on the podcast and my writing. Sometimes I'm up to three in the morning writing. So like I said, comments, concerns, you think I'm an a-hole? Tony at changeinadvance.com. Remember, folks, it's not what you make. It's what you keep. Have a good one.